dear podcast friends, welcome to Insights and Beyond, Digitalization, Sustainability and Technology. The podcast by Trelleborg Ceiling Solutions. You're in the right place if you're interested in the driving questions around topics like digitalization, electrification and sustainability. And above all, if you want to participate in a discussion with your exciting questions and comments. Experience the talks with our experts from Trelleborg and specialists from business, industry and research. So have fun with a new episode of Insights and Beyond. Twenty twenty was really a good year. Admittedly, that really can be taken out of context. In fact, however, at least fans of e-mobility will agree because 2020 saw a real upswing in this area. Almost 1.4 million battery electric cars and plug-in hybrids were registered in Europe in 2020, pushing Europe ahead of the leader China in terms of growth rate. Europe as a new engine for e-mobility. But do we even want to be that leader? Because Precisely in the record year 2020, voices are being raised calling for other alternatives, from e-fuels to hydrogen. What can electrification achieve? Which areas can it change? And most importantly, how good are electric vehicles really in terms of efficiency and sustainability? Today, I talk about these questions with two experts, Christoph Ulesoy, founder of eVehicle for You, and Axel Weimann, general manager at Trellebox Ceiling Solutions. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. So first of all, I have to ask, since we're living here in Europe, especially in Germany, uh, have you bought an e-car as well in 2020? Yeah, so I did my stuff. So uh, <laughs> in the last quarter last year, we we uh, bought an e-vehicle. E yeah, I personally have al already contributed a couple of years ago. So not last year, but um, I'm uh, part of the EMOP gang. <laughs> You're part of the EMOP gang. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not. But maybe I can change it after this podcast session. So Absolutely. maybe you can convince me. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're going to answer some questions because we um, we reached some questions from the audience. And one of them were from our Trelleborg uh, virtual conference in November last year. And some of the questions were from our podcast audience. So we going to answer i hope every single question here but before we start let me ask you our format question which is if somewhere were to give a book title about your plans on electrification in 2021 what would be the title of it i would summarize it in a way that um, say goodbye to a niche um, so things changed and it the, the whole topic came out of a very very uh let's say, limited way of uh, participants um, talking and thinking about that to the to the to to a broad uh, audience. That's a, a short uh, <laughs> title. That's good. So what is your title? Nice. I like the broad audience approach. <laughs> I would say how every company became a provider for shared e-mobility. That would be my book title. Yeah, that catches me. I have no idea how you will do that, but I think you are going to explain it to us. Uh, second one is, everyone is talking about electrification. What question do we have to ask ourselves to make the new normal really sustainable? I think we have to, to look into the mirror and understand what do we have to change to be part of that. And there's maybe a few things that we have to rethink. Yeah, starting with ourselves is always a good idea. <laughs> what uh, would you say, Christoph? What is the big question? 
I think it's very important to look at the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is clear. We need to reduce CO2 emission, um, latest by the year 2030. And hence, e-mobility is a very important contributor to that reduction, especially here in Europe and in Germany. Yeah, 2030 or sometimes companies set their goals for 2025, for example, Trelleborg, 50 by 25 is mm -hmm. your motto. So Correct. you want to reduce yep. it for 50 percent. Uh, so that's uh, also in important for your fleet um, <laughs> to reduce the CO2 emissions. But um, yeah, let's dive into our topic and let's dive into uh, the questions of our audience. And one question is we're going to start with one of them. What is the current status quo? Are um, battery electric vehicles really as a smart alternative to the internal combustion engine? I think this is also the big philosophical question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's about um, um, understanding where we are. And um, that's, that's, I think, the direction the question goes. And if you look into um, newspapers and, and also official Uh, statements from the OEMs, uh, they they make clear that they invest into this heavily. So um, they they show that most of the platforms are already developed in a, in a way that it's a, it's for a battery propelled car. So it means um, it's the beginning for us as being the the buyers, but for the ones um, designing the next generation of cars, it's already in the midst of doing that. So um, we are already on our way to change the whole um, structure of uh, or the share of uh, e-vehicles to combustion engines. So we're on our way. Are we still in the packing our stuff uh, stadium or is it like, yeah, we're right in the middle of this way to electrified mobility? What would you say? I personally would say that we are still in the beginning, but I think we are on the way. And I want to Quote Herbert Dies or a, a tweet from Herbert Dies, um, who said or who wrote, it's time for politicians to accept science. Green hydrogen is needed for steel, chemical and aero and should not end up in cars. So it's far too expensive, inefficient, slow and difficult to roll out and transport. After all, no hydrogen cars inside. And I think that's a very good summary of our way currently, I think our way focuses on battery electric vehicles. Yeah, hydrogen, that's kind of a big um, enemy of the electrification uh, um, idea. So let's talk about that later because I found a really interesting innovation and I'm curious about your uh, yeah, your um, uh, idea of what could be possible with that new innovation. <laughs> Axel is smiling again. I, I think you know what I'm talking about already, but let's go back to our topic to the combustion engine compared to our electric vehicles. Um, it's not only about cars. I don't want to talk talk about mobility and then just focus on cars. We also have buses, trains, planes, trucks, and you're also in the agriculture area um, mm -hmm. working. So what is with that, let's say, vehicles? I mean, in my really um, outside perspective, from my outside perspective, the bigger the machines, the, yeah, the less smarter it is to use electrification. Is that right? Uh, maybe that's that's one of the the or that's for sure one of the, the the let's say the reasons or the the let's say conditions that you have to look for. So, so the the weight. Um, but on the other side, um, we as as Trelleborg, we have um, inside views on on different branches, and um, you're totally right. So then it's getting it's getting really complex. And um, so hydrogen and um, 
also other ideas of, of um, using energy is a very complex um, issue. And uh, for us, it's a big challenge to then find the right solution for, for all of these different um, specifications. But coming back um, to the to the battery, um, th this is a pretty pretty mature technology. So to skip that um, is is uh, is maybe not so easy. So a lot of these branches will try to um, stay in this battery electric um, framework. Yeah, it's. I think a big issue uh, in terms of e-mobility is that the people are confused. And of course, the decision makers and some companies are confused as well. They wanna, don't want to make a wrong decision. So is there any, let's say, a break-even point when you can say, okay, in this case, e-mobility makes sense. And from this point on, it doesn't make sense anymore. Is there kind of a, yeah, let's say, a, a scale or something like that? People can uh, yeah, orientate themselves. I think, first of all, it's a super tough question. And you're right, people are confused um, because we are at the very beginning of a, of, of a change period. So we've got a lot of technologies, a lot of acronyms um, throwing around. Um, and so, yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, first of all, um, one comment to what you said earlier. You said hydrogen is the enemy of uh, electrification. I would say, well, actually, it's not. It's just another form of electric mobility. So even in the statement, for example, um, of the German government, they explicitly include um, hydrogen into electromobility. It's just another form. And so I think the challenge is with hydrogen, the process until it's well to tank. So that process is, is very efficient, consumes a lot of energy, and that makes it very difficult to like use it, for example, for battery electric vehicles especially if they are owned by private persons. And so now coming back to your question of the break-even point, I think it's super tough to say um, there is a break-even point at a, at a certain kilowatt size of a battery. I think in reality we, we see um, an end of kilowatt um, sizes at around 100 kilowatt hours per battery. There are not many cars that have a higher capacity of the battery um, but I think, like, mathematically, there is no real break-even point. So let's see if the um, master opponent, hydrogen, can <laughs> convince you with my new uh, innovation I found. But let's uh, look at that point later um, and go back to our questions from the audience because we received another one. And this one is also very interesting. And I think it really continues the discussion we are doing right now. Assuming batteries are the best solution at the moment, do we have enough resources to produce enough batteries? And what about their lifespan and recycling so this is for sure besides charging the, the the big topic which is brought up i think from most of the people and um i think we need to uh, understand that technology is is going on pretty quickly so a lot of um news are were, were announced where um um, developers showed that um, reduction of these materials is um, one of the top topics and they are on, on their good way. They already announced also uh, cobalt-free batteries and it's also about, besides reduction, also, of course, avoidance. It's also about, um, of course, looking into the sourcing of these of these materials, and there is also a lot of initiatives ongoing um, to to be compliant to what we what we would say standards. Um, so technology will solve uh, a lot of that. 
Yeah, this is. Uh, I think this is one of the biggest points. Um, besides uh, the reach of a battery, it's also the recycling. And I can understand that people say, okay, it's it's not really environmental friendly what we do. So why should I buy an, an e-car? So is that really a huge, the huge topic to recycle um, batteries, or are, are there any innovations and solutions that people still don't know yet, and they are already solved these problems? I personally think, and we see a lot of studies already that tell us clearly that a battery, that a battery electric vehicle has a better CO2 footprint than a comparable car at the same class. So, so I think that's already um, a fact we see today. Now, um, if we come to the batteries and especially the battery production, Well, I think resources are maybe not the biggest problem from a supply perspective, but more from a from a work perspective and social aspects of it. So how do we get um, those resources? And I think there are a lot of initiatives happening. I think, for example, BMW has announced that they will check and control and monitor themselves where and how they've got um, their resources um, um, from. And also there are some initiatives focusing on cobalt-free batteries. For example, um, Tesla is focusing on that. And lastly, there are a lot of business models emerging around the second life of batteries. So stationary storage, even charging infrastructure where they can use um, 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 recycled batteries. So I think we are at the beginning. Yes, it's a topic. We have to discuss about it. But I think there are already a lot of good initiatives. Yeah, and there's a commitment uh, inside the automotive sector, I think. And that's also why we are now the leader in terms of growth rate for e-mobility. Uh, and if you look at the statements of the OEMs, for example, Porsche wants to build only e-cars by 2030. Okay, except for the 911, I think you would screw it up totally with your fan base if you turn the 911 into an electric car, but not not now, maybe in the future. And even the SUV and HP Swank General Motors wants to switch by 2035. If more manufacturers switch to electric vehicles, how will you compensate for the loss of internal combustion engines uh, fuel solutions in Your business, for example. Yeah. So, so that's a big question for us. Um, in in Trelleborg, of course, we have, as I mentioned before, different branches. So we kind of widen our scope. So um, think about all the the cables used for charging. Charging cables is an interesting topic. So each and every car will will get one. So if the numbers of cars uh, raise, then also these um, the, there is an opportunity for um, special seals for high voltage connections. The same, of course inside the car. So there are plenty of options, of course, different ones. And um, also the different, not very homogeneous um, OEM specifications um, doesn't help. So a lot of experience are made uh, also in the field and comes back into uh, changed specifications. So you need to be agile and you need to have a global footprint, um, what we luckily have um, to follow that market. 
You mentioned something very interesting, the the components. Um, I think there is an, a big advantage for some new startups out there to say, okay, we're now right in the heading position and we say this is our new product and it's very important for e-mobility. But there are also suppliers um, who really have problems because they are focused on that uh, components for combustion engines. But speaking of the startup uh, sector and the startup scene, I've got a feeling that in the last years, there were so many startups created in, in uh, the surroundings of e-mobility. And I think that every one of them wants to have a slice of the pie. <laughs> so how easy is it, Christoph, since you're doing, uh, uh, you're having a startup, created a startup, founded it um, in the e-mobility sector? Is it really that easy to get the money, to be um, the top scorer, to be something, uh, to create something which is really uh, interesting for the OEMs? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, first of all, I think nothing in life is super easy and nothing in life comes for free. Um, and I think the same goes with startups. Um, on the other hand, like um, the industry had a lot of positive news um, around emerging and new companies. So we all know the news about the Tesla stock price. Um, super exciting to see where, where this one will head. Um, second, there are numerous um, exciting news about young companies. So EVbox is a Dutch player around charging infrastructure who just did an IPO on New York Stock Exchange. Um, the Fastnet, Fastnet is also a player around charging infrastructure, doubled their stock price, I think, at some point in Q4 last year. So my point is, those business models seem to be super attract attractive. And that also justifies a lot of invests by big corporates, but also the hunger um, for young entrepreneurs to like really be part of the game. And I think also that shows us that not only like e-mobility from a car perspective is an interesting business area, but also charging infrastructure. Companies that are only focusing on charging infrastructure that are not building cars are successful from a stock price perspective. And I think, yeah, um, I mean, at the end of the day, as long as my startup is um, part of the successful ones, I'm happy. So speaking of hunger, when we will see your company at a stock ex exchange? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's wait. Let's wait for one minute. Okay, let's take let's take a little rest and then we we go again uh, ahead so um for those who are listening listening to us the first time we always have a part of that podcast which is called sci-fi or solution i will read out a line a statement and i want to hear from our experts if that is kind of a yeah a solution so it's the truth it, it or it will come true or is it more like the sci-fi idea of my creative mind so here's our sentence for sci-fi or solution If you rely only on electrification, the traffic turn will fail. Cypher solution. Yeah, maybe electrification is is for sure the answer. Um, we we talked about that already. So hydrogen can play a role. Battery vehicles do for sure. Um, maybe it's also about the, the energy where it comes from. So um, so of course um, it needs it needs to be green energy, whatever um, is is base uh, for the electrification. So that's that's um, an ongoing process. But I think uh, we would rather uh, like to optimize um, the energy source than uh, let's say 40 million cars on the street um, as as being individual uh, sources of of emissions. So yes. 
it's sci-fi when I remember correctly. So it's it's not the truth. Let's put it this way. Okay, let's put it this way. Not not the truth. Okay, um, I try my best uh, with uh, Christoph. What do you say? It's a, is it sci-fi or is it solution? I myself would put it into the solution area and would say yes, this will be real and the truth in the future because um, electrification for me is also hydrogen. Hydrogen is just another way of saving the energy that I can get from clean um, uh, energy sources. And I think that is definitely the future, despite the fact that I personally don't think that hydrogen will play a critical role in the car area. I think in the car area, we will see a lot of battery electric vehicles. So I would say, yes, um, it's truth and will be the future. So we were going to talk about um, yeah the hydrogen point later. I think this is really a hot topic amongst uh, all the uh, mobility uh, decision makers uh, as well. And we're going to talk about, let's say, concepts and smart uh, mobility because, in my opinion, this is one of the key aspects. If we create a real good ecosystem, then it's the real traffic turn we we want to have. And therefore, we have another podcast episode together with you. So we extend that podcast into another episode and talk about all the, yeah, all the aspects we need to create this kind of ecosystem. So if you don't want to miss any episode, just click on the follow button and then you will get a notification if our now new uh, podcast episode is published. So coming back to our questions from the audience. There's another one and uh, I, I like it because this is really good. Uh, it's really written very well. Um, if we agree that electric vehicles are the sustainable answer for now, <laughs> the price of an electric car is 30% higher than a gasoline or diesel car. Why do we expect people to pay more? Maybe we can make a quick uh, answer out of that question. Yeah, I think it's a quick answer. Um, I think it's not really comparable. So if you take just the price, uh, the base price of a, of a combustion engine car, then um, you would discover there's a big difference. And then all these numbers of 30%, 40% difference uh, are based on that, uh, let's say, first look. Um, but if you look into the um, options that an e-car has automatically, I would say, with uh, automatic transmission as the first one, but also online navigation as well as auxiliary heating and uh, cooling, um, you speak about uh, a big difference in, in, I'd say, value. And of course, that has to be taken into account and also to be considered. And if you do that, then this um, difference is is um, reduced very much. So I did that calculation with two different types of uh, comparable uh, cars. Um, and uh, then it was, it was I think, less, less than 5 to 10 percent. And taking into also the, the calculation, the, the existing bonus, um, in, in some of the governments, especially also in Germany, it's an easy one where to go. <laughs> and we talked about that uh, before when we met here in the morning and we said, yeah, it's not about It's not only about the drive uh, technology in there. It's all about the whole experience of an electric car. And therefore, um, the OEMs often use the latest technology. So this is also part of it. So this could be a little bit more expensive than a normal car because you, you talked about the basic car. So the price of the basic car. This could also be a reason why the electric cars are a little bit more expensive. But it's worth it, I think. <laughs> uh, and speaking about our next uh, big, big, 
big topic uh, besides the price is, of course, the range. So what about the range? This is the next question of the audience. What about range? When will we see an electric car with 1,000 kilometer range or even more? And then <laughs> I like the specification of it. It really it is a question. I just read it out. At night, in winter, and in rain. So this is a really pretty weather scenario. <laughs> All at the same time? All at the same time. Night, winter and rain. And you have to drive uphills, I think. <laughs> Definitely a disgusting day. Yeah. Maybe you should stay at home at that day. <laughs> <laughs> so when will, we see, uh, when will we see a car with over uh, 1,000 kilometer range? I personally would have my doubts if we really need a car with a thousand kilometers of range. I think the word of range anxiety or in German Reichweitenangst, they become a typical um, way of expressing that a lot of people are scared um, with immobility. They don't want to like touch it because they're scared that they can't fulfill their needs. Um, but at the end of the day, and if we look at studies and actual sort of behavior when driving a car, we see that Those long trips are super rare. Only 2% of all trips, at least in Germany, so this is a German study, only 2% of all trips are more than 400 kilometers. And I think also on these kind of trips, you need to have breaks. So you want to have a cup of coffee, you need to do a bio break or something. And there are a lot of good initiatives out there. We already talked about um, Fastnet, but there are also other HPC, so high power charging companies that then give you the opportunity to then um, charge your car. And um, um, obviously, so you don't need a thousand kilometers of range, 500 are enough because you have good opportunities to charge. I think it's all about test driving. I mean, if you if you never test drive uh, uh, an electric car, you had, don't know how it works and that it's really not a bad thing and it, it, it won't hurt. And the other thing is, I think if the charging um, infrastructure is more widely distributed, not just around the big cities and the main highways, I think the people, it, it will calm the people and maybe they're more open to really try out this new technology. But at the end, uh, we're running out of time again. <laughs> it's always... Uh, interesting talking to you but uh, I think we have to continue and I promised I want uh, want to convince you that there is really another cool way with hydrogen and I found um, an exciting innovation from the Fraunhofer Institute. They developed a high energy and they call it really power paste. I love it. That's a good that's a good idea to call it power paste that can store hydrogen and could be uh, used in a very various ways. So it can store the hydrogen chemically, transport it easily and you can uh, refuel it without expensive refueling station infrastructure. So can such innovations maybe beat the e-mobility advantage? I think that's a nice example of, of uh, innovative, um, let's say, proposals uh, to go ahead. And I'm, I'm sure this will be not the only one over the next years um, challenging the, the, the battery um, vehicles. But I think right now we see that billions uh, of, of euro, dollars and, and other currencies are, are invested into the, the electric um, car with a battery so so this need, needs to pay off and so I think uh, also having in mind the the long validation time uh, from innovation to on the street um, I think that we need to be um, patient and live with uh, battery propelled cars for for quite a long time until 
other opportunities come up. So let's jump into 2030. Could that be uh, maybe a new solution in terms of mobility? Why not? I mean, we have seen a lot of innovation happening with computers. We have seen a lot of innovation happening with smartphones, like also from a battery perspective. So yes, um, at, at this point in the year 2021, we are not at the end of the story. So a lot of things will happen. And on the other hand, I would say that Battery electric vehicles are a good chance right now. I mean, especially if we look at very small cars that will start to come like to the market right now, to the dealers, a lot of good, very good new models. I think they will then play a very important role of future mobility. And obviously, the bigger the battery, the more it's open and likely that another technology will maybe support or replace the big, huge battery. So yeah, let's be open to that. But I think really until 2030, there will be a lot of um, battery electric vehicles. Okay. Um, I, I say I halfly convinced you that there are maybe, maybe, but just maybe some other um, solutions for the future, but I still think you're the electrification guys here. Um, last question from the audience and maybe this is also a good idea to talk about it because I have the feeling that developing as many solutions as um, possible isn't always the key because sometimes I have the feeling we have to focus on some technology. We already have to make progress to optimize things. And there, I think this is a good fit, this question from the audience. Electric vehicles use recuperation during braking. What developments do you foresee in braking technology and needs? Yeah, definitely. So who who owns a electric car knows that um, the the battery consumption, sorry, the brake consumption, so the brake pads, they live more or less forever. Um, so of course, then the the engineers think about how to um, set that up, set that up that um, it's it's um, good enough for the full braking that I need as an emergency braking, but also um, to to be not over over engineered. So. This, I think, uh, the next step will be then break by wire. So we we see this technology in some specific niches, um, but um, motorsport, for example. But um, this will, I think, come and that will um, deliver some some other chances also for autonomous driving and other, um, let's say, car so driver assistance systems. I think we will see some changes, but of course, for the driver himself uh, or herself, will will be not nothing. Um, so the the feel of brake braking will not change. Yeah, and that's also a gamification part of driving an electric car. I like that moment when you see that it is scaling up, and you see, okay, I got more energy because I did a good. <laughs> I, I drove very well, and so the recuperation it worked, and I have more energy right now. So I like that. And speaking of that, um, by wire technology, I saw it in the new uh, DTM electric demo car, and it's very interesting how smart this handling of the car and the energy is in there. So I'm really curious about. That technology in the future. Um, but speaking of the drivetrain, um, some components uh, will be, um, yeah, we don't need them in the future. So this could be a real huge problem for our suppliers. But on the other hand, also an advantage for all the startups out there. So, Christoph, is there any inspiration for you in there for your next startup, creating uh, some, I don't know, a uh, startup for the, for the electric engine for the parts of it? 
Well, um, I, I think personally, I'm not the guy who works on uh, engines. So I'm more the guy who works on new business models around mobility. And I think that there will be a big shift when we look at the use cases of mobility and um, battery technologies. Um, and business models will be more flexible. So if we look, for example, at DHL or UPS, they start to deliver now um, some packages with cargo bikes or even um, lightweight electric vehicles. And I think we will need, uh, we will see a lot of innovation in that area. Yeah. And you mentioned a real cool keyword, which is flexibility. And this is a really smooth transition to our last part. And since we're running out of time, I have to speed up a little bit. We're doing a ceiling test at the end of our podcasts every time. And um, we're talking about two main aspects of a ceiling solution, resilience and flexibility. Resilience means the capability of a material to return into its initial state after a huge pressure. So where do we have to become more resilient and more flexible in terms of electrification, maybe uh, specifically in 2021? I think what you mentioned with test driving, that's maybe the first step. Uh, just um, use it and, and try it out. And then um, I think most people will find out that's a nice um, nice alternative and, and it has a lot of good vibrations if I, if I do that, so good feelings. And um, so that's maybe... Be flexible in, in your in your head and just try it out. I like that idea. So what about you? I would say let's be a little bit more resilient with all of the urban myths around e-mobility. I mean, you talked earlier about the guy that drove in winter uphill and at rain and obviously ended up with a, a state of charge of zero and no charging station um, um, nearby. I think those um, uh, stories are some are very often big exaggerations. So let's do not focus on that. So that would be my first point. The second point is um, the flexibility point is really also about testing. I would say test driving is important, but also test charging because a lot of people are reluctant to start a charging process at a charging station because they fear it's difficult, I need an app. But actually, at the end of the day, it's super easy. So I encourage people to do that as well. So maybe this is our next uh, our next action we do together. We're going to make a little trip through Germany with an electric car. And then you can show me uh, the charging part because this is something I, I am still missing in my experience. I just drove one electric car and this was the Porsche Taycan. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, yeah, if if I if I drive a, an electric car, I do it with the best, maybe. But it's just uh, a maybe. Um, yeah, but that sounds great. So maybe we can do that after Corona. If there's ever uh, after Corona, we can drive <laughs> through Germany and yeah, maybe encourage people to do so as well. Thank you so much for your time and for all the insights and answers. And yeah, I'm looking forward to our next episode. Um, we were going to talk about the whole ecosystem and what aspects have to be dis uh, developed and what things do we have to change in our behavior. So this is going to be very exciting as well. And I'm looking forward to it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. Thank you. Looking forward to the next one.
Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you don't want to miss anything, just subscribe to our podcast. And of course, we are happy to receive feedback from you. So we're looking forward to your ratings and comments. And of course, we still want to answer your questions. Therefore, feel free to write us at info.podcasts at trelleborg.com. Thanks a lot and see you next time.